like you, maker of heaven, Lord of the land, and Lord of the sea, holy and true, faithful and able, Lord of all time and eternity. Dear friend, every word that God speaks is alive and full of power to inform and transform, to make us what He desires us to be. The entrance of His word will give you light. Truth produces roots, and then the roots will produce fruits. God bless you. We believe you will be edified. For the inquiries, contact Eternity Ministries, P.O. Box 2637, Bauchi, Nigeria, or telephone. 0807-570-5411 or 0802-361-5940 or send us an email at e-t-e-r-n-i-t-y-m-i-n at yahoo.com that is eternitymean at yahoo.com don't forget the bigger God gets in your eyes the tinier your mountains become showed us in the slides, living truth is not a gathering unto a man, it's a gathering unto the Lord, and the Lord chooses the vessel he will use to minister at every gathering, and it has pleased the Lord to so choose me tonight to bring his word to us. We also saw on that slide that living truth is dynamic, so don't expect me to speak like Dr. Ferdinand speaks. <laughs> you see, they've even put off the projector. So don't be expecting slides like Dr. We did tonight. We'll be expecting us to read directly from our scriptures. And we'll be reading from some different translations of the scriptures tonight. Praise the Lord. Right, the spirit within, the power for living. What the natural breath, the oxygen in man is to the natural man is what and much more the Holy Spirit is to the believer. Just as without the natural breath of oxygen in man, death will occur. Without the active work of the Holy Spirit within a believer, that believer will be dead. I'm talking of spiritual death, spiritual comatose. So the spirit within is the power that makes the believer to be alive. 
You remember in the beginning, or the beginning, when God created man and molded man from the dust of the earth, man was just a lump of clay until God breathed the breath of his nostrils into man and man became a living being, became a living entity. So it is for everyone that is a believer until that breath of God, the Holy Spirit, is actively at work within you. You are not a living Christian. And you know we have learned severally, particularly in the last few weeks of our gathering here, that everything depends on the indwelling. Everything depends on what you carry on the inside of you. The indwelling particularly is the key to a victorious Christian life. And without a deep understanding and appropriation of the power of the indwelling, we will not live our life to the fullest as God intends for us as believers. In Job 32, reading from verse 6 to 9, Job 32, verse 6 to 9, the Bible says through the mouth of Elihu that there is a spirit in man. There is a spirit inside man. Something is living on the inside of you. And that thing is supernatural. It is not just a spirit, but it is actually the spirit of God. The living breath of the almighty God himself. Job 32, verse 6 to 9. So Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, answered and said, I am young in years, and you are very old. Therefore I was afraid, and dared not declare my opinions to you, for I said, Age should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. Verse 8, but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. I believe with all of my heart. That this revelation from the mouth of Elihu is one of the most important revelations that a believer must know and hold dear unto. The revelation that there is a spirit inside you. And that spirit that is inside you 
First Timothy chapter 6 and 7. Sorry, 2 Timothy 6 and 7. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Told us what kind of spirit it is. That it is the spirit of power. It is the spirit of power. I'm going to read a passage to us from the Amplified Translation. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I'm reading it from the Amplified. It says, I remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God. Then it defined what that gift is. He said, the inner fire. And you know, fire is one of the symbols and attributes of the Holy Spirit. He said, that is in you, that is in you. The inner fire, that is in you. By means of the laying on of my hands, with those of the elders at your ordination. Verse 7. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. All these attributes mentioned here are the attributes that the workings of this spirit within makes happen and makes possible in the life of a believer. A lie who said there is a spirit in man and when you understand that there is a spirit in you, the question to ask is, what spirit? What is that spirit to accomplish? And Paul made it clear that that spirit is the spirit of power. It is the spirit of power. And that power is what we need for life. To live life and to accomplish the purposes of God our life. You see, one of the things living truth is to accomplish, as we saw on that slide, is to equip us for our life assignment. You remember? And the major equipment for any life assignment any man needs is the spirit of power within him. You remember? When God wants the garment of the priest to be designed. He called a set of people and the Bible says he filled them with the spirit of wisdom to make those garments for the priest. When he showed Moses 
the heavenly pattern of the temple to be built, he raised a Bezalel and a Holiab and he filled them with the spirit of wisdom in order to be able to on the earth bring to bear an heavenly pattern. So there is no way we can live life on earth as it is in heaven outside of that feeling of the spirit of God on the inside of us. It is not possible. It is not possible. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 to 19. I'm rushing presently and I will get to a point where we will settle and we will deal with these issues. But just follow me. In Ephesians 1 verse 17, 18 and 19 the Bible shows us a picture. And I would like us to take time to look at this picture that God showed to us here. Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 19. I will read it first from the King James translation. The New King James translation. And then I will move further and read it from the message translation. And I want you to please pay close attention when I begin to read it from the message translation. But first let's read it from the King James. New King James. From verse 17. It says, In him also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, sorry, I'm not reading from 17 there. Alright. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So no man can actually have the knowledge of God outside of the spirit. It is the spirit that reveals God himself, that gives us the revelation of who God is. No wonder when Jesus asked the disciples, whom do people say I am? And they said all that he said. He said, whom do you say I am? Peter stood up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father, that is in heaven. And it is via the spirit that the revelation of the father comes to man. So Paul began to pray here. That I'm asking God that He will grant to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in His knowledge. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. So, after a man had grasped the revelation of who God is, 
by the Spirit. The next revelation critical for life, to live life. The first is the revelation of who God is. And it comes by the Spirit within you. The second revelation needed for life is to know your assignment, your calling, what you have been called unto. And it is the Spirit of God also within man that will reveal to you and make known to you what your calling in Christ is, what your assignment in Christ is. And then number three, it says, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So you must know also, after the revelation of who God is, the revelation of what your assignment or calling or purpose is, you must also now know what the revelation of your riches, your equipping, your, your resources, your benefits and blessings in knowing God and living for his purpose will make available to you. And it comes by the Spirit. And Paul didn't stop there. He said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far from principalities and powers. And we know how Christ was raised from the dead. Romans 8 11 tells us how Christ was raised from the dead. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body. So, this exceeding greatness of his power we are talking about is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and it is the spirit. And when that spirit is in you, you know and have the revelation of God, you know and have the revelation of your assignment, you know and have the revelation of the resources or inheritance available to you, and then you have the power now to make it all work together. It is not enough to know God, to know your assignments, to know the resources available. You equally need the power to make it all work together. Praise the name of the Lord. Very important. I'm now going to read that same passage from the message translation. And please follow very keenly. From verse 17, it says, Every time I prayed, I'll think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thanking God, I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. Discernment doesn't come by natural means. It comes by the Spirit. It is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And so it is the Holy Spirit that brings the discerning knowledge of God personally to a man. That's why a professor in the university can teach, teach Christian religious knowledge and not know God personally. 
outside of the revelation knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And that is the first and most critical and important knowledge a man needs to live life. The personal knowledge of God. Paul didn't stop there. He said, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Your personal assignment and responsibility for living and until a man knows exactly what God is calling him to do, he is only existing. He is not living. So Paul said, so you can know what he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. So, beloved, what God wants you to do and how you do it, Paul describes it using this message translation as a glorious way of life. It's a life that is glorious. When we live in that dimension, we are living the glorious life. We are living the exceptional life. Glory to God forevermore. He said, Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us, in us. That extravagant grace is the gift of the Spirit inside the believer. The Holy Spirit is the extravagant grace of God in the believer. The extravagance of his work in us who trust him. And then what the New King James called the exceeding greatness of his power. The message calls it extravagance grace. He didn't stop there. He said, endless energy, boundless strength, endless energy, boundless strength. And he's saying that is what raised Jesus from the dead. This exceeding greatness of his power, another name for it is endless energy, boundless strength. And that was what raised Jesus from the dead. And God is saying, that same spirit is at work in you and I as believers. That spirit within you, there is a spirit in man, and that spirit carries with it endless energy, boundless strength. That's why it's impossible for a genuine child of God that knows and appropriates and draws strength from that endless energy inside cannot be weak. 
cannot be feeble. Oh, he led his people 40 years in the wilderness and there was no feeble one amongst them. That was even when the spirit was not within them. Only inside of their leaders that was leading them. But glory to God that we have a better covenant. Glory be to God that we are living in better days with better promises. If all of them in the wilderness can be and there was no feeble one amongst them, a time is coming when all the believers will be truly taught about the spirit within them and they will draw from that endless energy. They will draw from that boundless strength and there will be no sick among us. There will be no feeble one among us. There will be no defund among us. That time is coming and may our eyes see it in our days. In the name of Jesus Christ. What a glorious life Christ has made available for us. By the power of the Spirit within us as believers. It is a glorious way of life that God has made available for those who follow Him. For those who follow Him. Beloved, to live life with only our human natural energy is to live a limited life. When you are drawing only from the human natural energy and you are not drawing from the divine energy inside you, you are not drawing from the endless energy inside you, you are not drawing from the inexhaustible energy inside you, you will live a limited life. But when you draw continually from the spirit within and the power it makes available, endless energy, boundless strength, there will be no limits, there will be no boundary to the life and the accomplishments of life for you and I. Glory to God forever. Glory to God forever. That is the life God has planned for us. A glorious life by the power of the Spirit within us. By the power of the Spirit within us. I'm getting to where we will set you. And we will deal with these issues together. Genesis chapter 44. Genesis chapter 44. I read verse 30. We know this story, beautiful story, so very well. Jacob had 12 children and one of them is not because he's been sold to slavery sent ahead by God actually but in the mind of their father Jacob, Joseph is gone so among all his children there was only one that is the most beloved because he's the son of his beloved wife. And so there was no meal because of the famine in the land. And then Jacob sent the children to go and buy bread in Egypt. And then when they got to Egypt, you know the story. 
Joseph pretended and said he would sell bread to them until they bring their youngest brother. So they came back to buy again and they brought him. And then Joseph skimmed and put his golden cup in the food sold to the children and particularly inside that of his younger brother. And so when they went after them, they caught up with them. The other sons of Jacob made a rash promise. Anyone that you find this cup in his sack, let that one become your slave. In fact, kill him. And they began to search from the eldest. And when they got to the youngest, Bro Benji, they found the cup in his sack. And they brought him back. And Joseph said, this one will remain here with me. Because you guys are spies. You have to go and bring your father. And they began to plead. And then they made this fundamental statement. Where I want you to understand more than anything this teaching tonight. Genesis 44, verse 30. He said, Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the Lord is not with us, since his life is bound up in the Lord's life, it will happen. When he sees that the Lord is not with us, he will die. But we are particular about is that verse 30. Seeing that the life of my father is bound up in the life of the Lord. Beloved, the life of Jesus is bound up in every genuine believer. And the life of a believer is bound up in Christ. <laughs> that is what the indwelling is. That God's life is bound up in our life. And our life is bound up in his life. Listen. Listen. All the purpose of God the Father. Everything the Father wants to be. Wants to accomplish. Wants to show. Wants to reveal. He bound it up in Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything God wants to reveal of himself, he bound it up in Christ. And how did God execute that? When that Christ in whom everything is bound up was to be conceived. Matthew 1, 18-20 tells us that he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. So the entire purpose of God 
that was bound up in Christ needed to be executed from the onset by the Holy Spirit. Christ was going to come as man to reveal God and to reveal the eternal purpose of God. But for him to even start living, to start life from the womb, it has to be by the Holy Ghost. So he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. For him to start ministry, to step into ministry, at the age of 30, the beginning of his ministry, the Holy Ghost came and sat upon him. For him to die, Hebrews 9 14 tells us that Christ offered himself to God without sport by the Holy Ghost. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9 verse 14. Hebrews 9 14. Hebrews 9 and verse 14. said, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, through the eternal spirit walking in him, offered himself without spot to God, to cleanse our conscience from dead works, so we also can serve the living God. The purpose of God is for him to die. That's the ultimate purpose of God. For him to die for our sins and to redeem us from the power of sin and to execute or live out that purpose, it has to be through the eternal Holy Spirit. He died, he was buried. If Jesus did not resurrect, all our faith would have been vain. And for him to rise from the dead, the Bible tells us again, Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mother body. So even for his resurrection to be accomplished, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit had to make it happen. Beloved, Jesus said in John 5, 19, while he was living here, he said, I can of my own self do nothing. Yes, I have come to do all that God wants done, but of myself, it is not possible. To live it out, it has to be through the Holy Spirit. After his resurrection, and he stayed 40 days with his disciples, showing them the things pertaining to the kingdom, he was to ascend to heaven. The Bible says he left instructions and commandments for the disciples, and he did so again through the Holy Spirit. Even simple instructions to be passed across to the disciples was through the Holy Spirit. Acts of the Apostles 1, I read from verse 1 to 4. Acts of the Apostles 1, I read from verse 1. If I let me read from verse 1 to 8. Acts of the Apostles 1, from verse 1. Scripture says, The former treaties have I made out your fellows of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach 
until the day, listen, listen, until the day in which he was taken up. After he, through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To give instructions and commandments to them, it was not of himself. That was even in his resurrected, glorified state. To leave out instructions for them through the Holy Spirit. I submit to us tonight, the Holy Spirit is the power for life. It is the power for living. It is the power to accomplish everything that will be pleasing to the heart of God on these hands. He, through the Holy Spirit, has left instructions for them. And to make it very clear that they also cannot live life less than he has lived in verse 4, the Bible says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And we know what that promise is. The Holy Spirit. I am living. Jesus is simply saying, and my purpose now is bound up in you. You are the ones to carry on my purpose. That's what he's simply saying to his disciples. You are the ones to carry on the kingdom. But you can't do it with the knowledge of me that you have. Don't forget, Ephesians 1.17, the first thing is the knowledge. The second thing is the assignment. They know the assignments now. They are to carry on the kingdom. They know all the resources available to them. But until the power to live it out is released, Jesus said, don't start. Don't step out. Wait for that promise of the Father. And in verse 8, he makes it clear that when that promise of the Father comes, the Holy Spirit, it will come with power. He said, but you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will receive power. Then and only then will you truly be my witness. Will you truly be an effective witness? What they have to leave out is to be the witnesses of Christ, who Christ is. To witness his resurrection, witness his life, witness his grace. But they will never be able to accomplish it without the power to leave it out. Somebody please quickly read for us Ezekiel chapter 30, 36, verse 27. Very quickly. If you have, let me read from the message translation here. Eh? It shows that my eyes is not seeing it too clearly. It's too tiny. Can somebody help me? Ezekiel 36, verse 27. Read from whatever translation you have first. Then they will help me read that message translation. Ezekiel 36, 27. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgment and do them. Listen. A man will never be able to do what God wants him to do except the spirit is put within him. It takes the spirit within to do whatever God wants you to do. The way God wants it done that will be pleasing to him. It is the Holy Spirit within 
that is the power to leave it out. Please read it from that place. I will put my spirit within you and cause you. <laughs> you don't want to, but I will cause you to. You don't intend to, but I will cause you to. You don't plan to, but I will cause you to. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. It is not a law of do's and don'ts that will help the church in our generation. It is not a law of do and don'ts that will bring revival. <laughs> it is the law of the spirit of life in the believer that will cause the revival to bring forth. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will walk in my statutes. You walk in my statutes. See, it does not matter what you pray to. If the Holy Spirit has not taken residence in the believer and they are taking their direction from him, you will preach, you will be like those that is all blowing trumpets in their ears. A lady came to church today after five months. Five months ago, she came to church for the first time. And I was preaching on the altar, I finished preaching. I finished preaching. And the Holy Spirit brought a word from Proverbs and said, Don't live life only for what you plan to eat or drink or wear, but live for God and His will. And I said, I don't know who this word is for, but I believe it is for somebody. Service ended, they brought the lady to me. They said she came to visit somebody. Some people are taking her to Saudi Arabia to go and work. I said, lady, are you married? She said, yes. Where is your husband? I said, he's in Lagos. You have children? He said, my last born is seven months. I said, and you are leaving them to go to Saudi Arabia? He said, my pastor has prayed for me in Lagos before I came. I said, did you hear what God just said from that water now? She said, yes. I said, what does it mean to you? <laughs> Pastor, the 15,000 work I'm doing in Lagos won't solve our problem. I need to go to this Saudi. Can you please pray for me too? I said, you said your pastor has prayed. That would be sufficient. For me, that word I've spoken from the other is my prayer. She went to Saudi. Today she landed in church. And she was recounting stories of war. How a lot of them were injected and they ran mad when they don't want to do what they want them to do. How they took Bible away from them. They collected their phone, they searched. If there is any Bible app, they deleted it and uninstalled it. Huh? They made that a Muslim by force. Stories of war. And then she... When she finally refused, they took her to deportation camp and they deported her back to Nigeria. Said, I hope you have learned your lessons. She says, ah, eh, somebody has told me that um, I can go to France now. It will, be, <laughs> it will be better in France. I looked, I said, ah, ah. <laughs> you know, he was, I was, I could not comprehend it. She's a worker in a church in Lagos. So you 
see that except the Holy Spirit begins to into what she saw fat for five months in Saudi meant nothing to her again. Now that she has escaped that one, she's looking for another another friends. I said, if you go to that one now, now prostitution and go use it to go back to your family in Lagos. Say, how will people look at me? I said, ah, it doesn't matter what you said to her. She won't. She didn't hear because the spirit within. <laughs> He's been neglected completely. The voice of that spirit within has been seared and killed. So she can't hear it. So it becomes impossible to do a work in the statutes of God. Please complete that passage. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgment and do them. You will do them. From this service, it will be easy to do the will of God. It will be easy to do what God wants done. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. It will be easy to do what God wants us to do. He said, The life of my father is bound up in the life of this lad. Do you know, sir, that the purpose, the agenda, the will, and the plan of God that he seeks to execute on the earth is bound up in every believer? <laughs> the will of God, the agenda of God, the plan and the counsel of everything God wants to accomplish on this earth is bound up inside every believer. And the will of God is the life of God. It's what is what God exists for. And it is all bound up in a believer, in a Christian. And God wants it to be executed. But the believer can't execute it of himself. It is through the spirit within that God will put inside that will enable, energize, and empower the believer to be able to carry out that agenda of God. That we enable that believer to be able to carry out that will of God. We can carry it out of our own will, of our own volition, of our own ability, of our own power. We cannot. The will of God was bound up in Christ. Christ could of himself not carry it out. Christ has died, has resurrected and has ascended and has committed the will of God to us now. The will of God and the life of God is bound up in us now. It's bound up in the church. It's bound up in the Christians. It's bound up in the believer. But we can't carry it out. We can't execute it except we draw from the power of the Spirit within us. Except we draw from that power. Except we draw from that power. It doesn't matter what God has called you to do. Either in the marketplace in the academics, in the economics, in whatever sphere of life, you won't be able to accomplish His will except you draw from the power of the Spirit within you. God's life is bound up in us. God's purpose is wrapped and bound up in us. God's agenda is bound up in us. If we fail, that agenda of God will pass before God will raise somebody else to execute it. 
He said, if my father does not see this lad, he will die. God won't die, but it's possible we can die in your own life. His agenda can die in your own life. His agenda that is bound up in you can die in you if you don't draw from the power of the Spirit to live it out. But I pray for you tonight. The agenda and the purpose of God will not die in you. You will live to execute it. You will live to accomplish it. You will live to carry it out in the name of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1. I read from verse 26 to 29. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. And I want us to follow. Colossians 1. I'm reading from verse 26. And I'm reading to 29. Christ is bound up in us. Living in us. He's bound up in our lives. His will, his purpose, his agenda is bound up inside us. Colossians 1. I'm reading from verse 26. The mystery of which was eaten for ages and generations. Eating from angels and men, but is now revealed to his holy people, the saints. Verse 27, what is that mystery? He said, to whom was God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And what is that mystery? Which is Christ within and among you, the hope by which his glory will be revealed. Don't forget that the ultimate agenda of God is that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. That the earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. And it is Christ in you that is the key to revealing that glory. Christ himself is that glory. Christ himself is that glory. The glory that God wants revealed, God now locked it up inside the believer. Hey! The glory that God wants to be revealed and God wants to fill the earth, God locked up that glory, bound it up inside every believer. He bound it up in you. And how are we going to release that glory? How are we going to reveal that glory? Follow me now. Verse 27, 28. He said, Him we preach. Listen. God wants to reveal Him. Then He bound Him up inside us. And then asked us to go and preach Him. That is locked up in you. Go and proclaim the one he has bound inside you. Go and preach him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach. The same him that is in you, you are now to go and preach him. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, so we can present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He said that this I do, laboring and striving. Now, when the Spirit is within you, 
He enables you to do what he's asking you to do. So verse 29, the last verse now. Let me read it from here. He said, For this I labor. What is this that he's laboring for? To reveal that Christ. To preach that Christ that is locked up and bound up inside you. For this I labor. Even unto weariness. Striving. How is he striving now? With all the superhuman energy. Which is so mightily and kindles and walks within us. That is the Holy Spirit. We've read of him in Ephesians 1 17 to 19. That is boundless energy and strength. That is that energy here by which Paul is preaching him. By which Paul is revealing him. By which Paul is making the one bound up in him to be now known and revealed to the world. That purpose of God that is bound up in you can never be released to the world except the boundless superhuman energy of God which comes via the Holy Spirit is revealed through you. That was how Jesus lived through the power of the Spirit. That is how every one of us as believers will live and can only live to accomplish God's purpose. Christ is bound up in us, living in us, asking us to preach Him, but only by His own superhuman energy can we preach Him effectively, can we reveal Him effectively unto our world. Ephesians 3.20 This is the last one I'll read here. Ephesians 3.20 From the Amplified Translation still, I will read. Ephesians 3.20 Oh, we know that scripture. He said, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask God thing according to his power that is at work in us. But here how the Amplified put it. He said, Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his own purpose hey, God is not asking you to accomplish your own purpose sir. God is only wanting to accomplish his own purpose through you and that purpose cannot be accomplished by you that purpose can also only be accomplished by him through his power that you allow to walk within you. That's the only way by which God's purpose can be accomplished. God's purpose has suffered, has tarried, has delayed, has been frustrated and handicapped because the believers have not allowed that power 
to walk within them, to carry out God's purpose through them. He wants to carry out his purpose through you. But that can only happen when you allow his power to work it out within you. He said and he's able to do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. What glory is available for the church? If only we will allow the spirit within to release his power through us to accomplish God's purpose. God wants to accomplish his purpose that is bound up in you. God can only accomplish it through his spirit in you, releasing his power through you. For that purpose, God desires to fill you with his spirit. Because the extent to which you are filled of his spirit will determine the extent to which his power will be available and will determine the extent to which his purpose will be accomplished. If you are not full or filled, you can accomplish the full purpose of God. Now, if full tank of fuel of my car can take me to Ibadan. And I have access to the filling station to get the 65 liters that will fill my tank to Ibadan. And I get to the filling station and I ask for only 30 liters. Will that 30 liters accomplish the purpose of getting to Ibadan? It cannot. It's as simple as that when it comes to the feeling of the spirit. It takes believers that are filled or full to accomplish the full purpose of God for their lives. The extent to which you are filled or full of the spirit will determine the extent to which God's purpose will be fully accomplished in your life. That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, the desire of God is that you not be filled with wine into excess, but that you be filled and continue to be filled with the Spirit. Because if you are not filled with the Spirit, there will be no power of the Spirit to live out the purpose of the God of the Spirit. No wonder you read in scriptures that the disciples were all full of the Spirit. Acts 4 and verse 8. Acts 4 and verse 31. Acts 4 verse 18. The Bible says that Peter, full of the Spirit, stood up and began to preach. Because preaching is God's own purpose for him. God's assignment for him. Full of the Spirit, he began to preach. The day the fullness of the Spirit came, 3,000 were saved. 
And now the Sahibian council arrested them and said, don't preach again. The Bible says, Peter, full of the spirit, confronted them and said, judge in yourself. If we should be obey God, obey you. Full. If he wasn't full of the spirit, you know now, few weeks earlier, when he was not full of the spirit, a small girl said, sir, you are one of them. Peter said, he started swearing. He started cursing. But now full of the spirit, he confronted the highest council of the land and stood for Christ. And after they have beaten them and let them go, the Bible says, I mean, let go. They went to their own company and reported what has happened. And they lifted up their voices to God with own accord and they prayed. And the place where they prayed was vibrating, was shaking. Verse 31, Acts 4. And they were all filled with the Spirit. They were filled in chapter 2. They were filled in chapter 4. And the last place of that chapter, they were a fresh feeling. Continuous infilling of the Spirit will lead to continuous accomplishment of God's purpose for our lives and for our generation. And you see, the devil understood this perfectly. For God's purpose that is bound up in a believer to be accomplished, the believer must be full of the Spirit. For Satan's purpose, bound up in his own people to be accomplished, Satan must also fill them. <laughs> Act of the Apostles chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. There is no time, but I read verse 3. Verse 3 says, okay, from verse 1, he says, Ananias and Sapphira, also sold their property and they brought part of the money to the church to lay down at the apostles feet and peter asked them is this how much you sold it they said yes verse 3 peter confronted them he said why has satan filled your heart why has satan filled your heart for you to lie to the Holy Ghost. How did Peter know? Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. Ananias was filled of Satan. A man filled with Satan confronted a man filled with God. And the man filled with God instantly knew that this one is lying. And before you say Jack, the guy fell down and died. I guess that's where I fall down and die, please. <laughs> and the wife came back. Peter asked him the same question. Why has Satan filled you people's hearts that you agreed together to lie to the Holy Ghost? Behold, the feet of those who went to bury your husband is at the door. Boom, she too fell down and died. And they carried her out. So for Satan to accomplish his purpose, he looks for people he can fear. He has bound his agenda in their hearts. The agenda is for them to lie. For that to be accomplished, Satan has to fear them. For God's agenda that is bound up in the believer to be accomplished, that believer also has to be filled up. Has to be filled up. Has to be filled up. When 
Judas was going to accomplish the purpose of betrayal, which is bound up in him. Jesus gave him the soap, and Satan entered him, filled his whole heart. Until that purpose was accomplished, the eyes and the mind of Judas never opened. But the moment that purpose was accomplished, his eyes opened. He repented, he regretted. But Satan has not left him. He made him to still go and kill himself. So God's purpose is bound up in our hearts as believers. God wants to accomplish that purpose. The only way by which he can accomplish that purpose is to fill us. To fill us. And to continue to fill us. And for us to be drawing from the infilling that is inside of us. For us to be drawing from the infilling that is inside of us. For us to be drawing from that infilling that is inside of us. Oh, what a joy when the whole church begins to draw from that infilling. Last week, Saturday, the brother pastoring our branch church in New Year yeah, visited me at home. I asked him to come because there were some, you know, inspiration about the church I had. I wanted to share with him. And he came. I shared it with him. He said, deal with this issue, deal with this issue, deal with this issue. And we finished. He said, sir, early this morning, that was Friday stroke Saturday night. He said, I had a revelation that you came to visit that branch. And as we were about to enter, a big snake came out from the gates of the church to attack us. He said, and you stood, you cursed the snake. He said, from the beginning you were cursed. I cursed you in Jesus' name. And I asked them to kill the snake and they killed it. I said, so that's victory. No shaking, that's victory. Give thanks to God, you can go. And they left Saturday. Early Sunday morning, I was about entering the church. They sent me a picture on WhatsApp of a python that was just killed at the gate of the church Sunday morning. How was he killed? The security man said he was sleeping in the night. And around 2.30 a.m., he just had a dream that there was a snake in the church. Now, the pastor had not gotten to church. He didn't go to church that Saturday to relay the revelation he had with the security man. The security man was sleeping and he dreamt that there is a snake inside that church. So he woke up, carried his cutlass and his dead gun and his torchlight and began to search for the snake everywhere. <laughs> now listen, he could dream that dream which is an inspiration from God for him and do nothing about it and not act on that but the young man felt this is a clear instruction or message from God for him he stood up and went walking around the building he didn't see any snake he said ah, this dream is real so he stepped out opened the door and went out and went around the compound looked at the trees around Put spots like didn't see anything. Wanted to go back to sleep. 
And as he passed by the gates of the church, he had and then he turned, he saw the thing. Ready to bounce at him. And the guy swung the cutlass. And as the Lord will have it, he went right on the neck of the stick and caught it. And killed the stick. Last Sunday, listen, when we draw from the inner deposit of God from us, deliverance comes cheap. Breakthroughs come cheap. Help comes cheap. When we drop from that, the elders go to church, pastor go to church, and they met the, the thing. He said, one of the pastors said, ah, Obe, let me go and cook it and eat. So they told you, this is not the, the snake that they were dreaming of, dreaming of. That's not the kind of snake you eat. Of. <laughs> That's not the kind of snake you eat, man. This one is meant for the fire. Burn it. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen. Listen. There is endless power, boundless energy stored up inside of you to accomplish the things that are beyond human. The Bible calls it superhuman energy that is bound up in you. So how do we get this continual infilling of the Spirit in order to remain full at every point? Tonight I will just share two with us and then we'll pray. Number one is to, is to, is to, is to be hungry and thirsty. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. You want to be filled. Maintain an undying hunger for God and for His power. Maintain that hunger. Luke 1, 53. The Bible says he has filled the hungry with good, but he has sent the fool away empty. Ah! Those who are hungry, he filled them with good. And what else is good or better than the extravagant gifts of God's Spirit in a believer's life? But those who felt we are filled, we don't need another infinite. He sent them away. And they know how the Bible says they go away? Empty. They think they are full, but they don't know they are empty. And there are a lot of empty believers going around who are not feel, no feeling inside them. They are filled of evil, filled of deceit, filled of all kinds of immorality. But when you are filled of God, filled with all the fullness of God, you can face anything. You can confront anything. You can overcome anything. You can prevail over anything. And I see us rising from this place, prevailing and overcoming in the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever. Glory to God forever. That is the first way to be filled and to maintain a continuous feeling, a deep and undying hunger inside your heart, inside your spirit for God. Being hungry and thirsty to see God, David said, to see your power and your glory. My heart wants for God. My soul longed for him. My flesh passed for him in a dry testy land. To see his power and his glory. Psalm 63, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 42, verse 1 to 4. 
Are you hungry and thirsty? Are you panting for God continually? And for his infilling in your life? Glory to God forever. The second way to maintain a continuous feeling of the Spirit is that after you have become hungry and thirsty, let that hunger and thirst drive you to the place of tarrying. To tarry means to wait. To wait means to, to do prayer, study, incubate inside a place that we, that we are, we are, we are the Holy Spirit can alight upon you. Jesus himself gave that key. Luke 24 verse 49. He said, you have heard of the promise of the Father, which I have given to you, by which you will be baptized not many days from now. He said, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Tarry. Tarry. You see, we live in a fast-paced generation where the virtue of tarrying is lost almost completely. Everybody wants it fast, 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 fast. Nobody wants to tarry. Nobody wants to wait. Nobody wants to pray five hours, six hours, seven hours. I had the story of a man of God. That when he was in University of Lagos, he was the ICU, I mean, Lagos University, L-U, Christian Union, L-U-C-U. He was the Lagos University Christian Union president in those days. And they said, when you enter that brother's room, he doesn't need to pray for you. That you have any need, you have any challenge, just go to his room. People began to tell themselves, ah, you're sick? Go to so-so brother's room now. Just enter his room, you'll be healed. No, I'm telling you true story, true life story. True life story. Because they said this brother will pray eight hours in tongue every day on his knees in that room. So that room became, <laughs> it became a sanctuary on its own. The presence of God inhabited that place. The glory of God literally rested, made his habitation in that room. That people who have diabetics, they will enter that room, diabetic disappear. That people are goita, they enter that room, goita disappears. True life story. I know the brother. But the brother left, left university, started ministry, and then left the virtue of tarrying. He began to pursue God. I mean, began to pursue the, the work of God and forgot the God of the work. And after a few years, the brother will, if he pray for you, he will, he will push you, push you so that you can fall down. <laughs> he will push you for you to fall down. Because the normal thing is, as he's praying for you, you are falling down. He doesn't touch you. In fact, the brother has coined a cliche. I don't need to lay hands on you. As I'm preaching, I am laying words on you. And as I'm laying words on you, things will be happening. And that is it. As he's preaching, people are falling. All kinds of things are happening. But now he will lay hands and push you, push you to fall down. Because he left the place of Harry. Tonight, God is calling us back to the altar. He's calling us to repair our altar of waiting, our altar of tarrying. Families no longer pray together today. Christian families, no more altar, no more devotion. 
We have left all the precepts by which the Holy Ghost can fill us afresh. We no longer tarry. I read this last scripture and then we'll pray. Proverbs 28. Sorry, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. And I will wait upon the Lord. I mean, His presence, His fullness of joy and our strength will be restored as we wait. Upon the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. Ah, I see every one of us in this garden mounting up from the level we are before coming here tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. God is going to take you up because he has taken you deep in this meeting. You are going to go up spiritually. Proverbs 23. I read verse 29 and 30. Proverbs 23. I read verse 29. And party. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness and dimness of eyes? Verse 30. Those who tarry long. He didn't just say those who tarry. Those who tarry long at the wine. Those who go to seek and try mixed wine. This is a picture of a drunkard. Is a picture of an intoxicated man. Is a picture of a man being driven by the effect and the power of the mixed wine he has taken. And the Bible tells us in that place the results or effects of that drunkenness or that intoxication. He said it will produce sorrow. It will produce woe. I want to ask you tonight. What is the opposite of woe? Blessing. What is the opposite of sorrow? Joy. What is the opposite? Just, just imagine the opposite of each of those things that drunkard man has. Contention. You have peace. Strive. 
no no shaking, no trouble around you. Calmness, everything working calmly. Serenity around you. But it's not everybody that go to the wine table, that drink wine, that has redness of eye. It is not everybody that go to the bar, that comes back and had all of these things. But there is one that goes and tarry long there, seeking and drinking and drinking and drinking. He keep trying all kinds of different wine. They said this is good and try it. This is style. Okay, this is an uh, app. Bring it. Uh, this is shinap. Oh, let's try that one too. He kept trying all kinds, drinking all kinds. And before you say Jack, his eyes become red. He has sorrow. He has woe. He has strife, contention, all kinds of negativity begins to happen for you. Beloved. Paul said, be not filled with wine, but in there is XX. Will be filled with the spirit. To be filled with the spirit, it takes the same pattern of the man filled with wine. If you want to have and carry the blessing, you want to have and carry the joy of God, you want to have all the opposite of what that man that has redness of eye has, my friend, tarry long before God. Tarry long at His word. Tarry long before His altar. Tarry long in the place of prayer, in the place of meditation. Tarry long there. By the time you are coming out of that place, you will be an embodiment of blessing. You will be an embodiment of peace. You will be an embodiment of joy. And you will be able to go and accomplish the purpose of God that is bound up inside your heart. To be filled answers to hunger and turning long before the Lord. So the spirit within, the power for living, demands that we reset our priorities so we can have time to tarry long before God. This one hour, five minute service on Sunday cannot do it, sir. <laughs> he can't accomplish it. He cannot. This seven service on Sunday of one hour, five minutes won't accomplish it. Of course, the man at the head who has learned this secret will command that crowd but the crowd will remain ever improvised. We must tarry long. To tarry long means certain things that are not seen, but that are weights on our spiritual life has to be identified and chopped off. It would demand less sleep, more study and praying. It will demand less watching of television. It will, de- it will reprioritize our life. It will rearrange our schedule to make room for tarrying long. One day I took my car to the mechanic. You know the place. 
that guy's space leaving us. I just dropped the kids in school and I went there around 8.30 in the morning. And I felt pressed. And they took me to a garden behind their shop to go and use the restroom there. And I got there. I didn't know that there was such life inside that place. Early in the morning, 8.30. And I met people already drinking beer and pepper soup. 8.30 in the morning. I was shocked. I said, what? Are they not going to work? The guy taking me there said, some of them work in that place. So once they sign in in the morning, they come to take. <laughs> I said, God. God, have mercy. Those who tarry long at the beer and at the bar, they make room for it. They cut off other things to be there. Those who will tarry long before God, they have to make room for it. They have to make room for it. They have to make room for it. Let me read this scripture and then we we'll pray. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Verse 14, the last verse. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Whatever you make provisions for, you will fulfill the demands of it. If you make provision for the Spirit, you will fulfill everything it will take for the spirit to fill you. But if you make provision for the flesh also, you will fulfill it. You will definitely fulfill it. So tonight, in what areas have you been making no provision for the spirit? You leave this place tonight with a consciousness. I must make provision, allowance, opportunity for the Holy Spirit in this way. For the Holy Spirit in this way. For the Holy Spirit in this way. So that he can fulfill his power, his purpose in my life. Let's rise up. The spirit within is the power for living. Is there any question before we pray? Does anybody have any burning question or issue in his or heart? Either on this message, this teaching, or something else related to this. Any question that needs clarification? Or anything I've shared that is not clear, that we need to put clarity on? If there is no, let's give thanks to the Lord first and foremost. For his word that we have had tonight. Let's appreciate him. Let's give him thanks. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. Every opportunity to pray is a provision for the Spirit. Every opportunity to study is a provision for the Spirit. 
every opportunity to worship, to fast, to gather together like this for such teaching is a provision for the spirit. Give thanks to God for his word that has come to you tonight. Give him praise. Give him glory. Oh, worship him. Oh, bless his name. Oh, give him thanks. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Thank you for your word. Your life is bound up in me. Can you thank God for his purpose that is bound up in you? For his agenda that is bound up in you? For his will that is bound up in you? For his purpose that is bound up in you? Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. What a great privilege that God will bound up his purpose in your heart. That God will bound up his purpose, his agenda, his desire, his intent, his purpose in your heart. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for the privilege to carry your purpose. The privilege for your will to be bound up inside us. The opportunity for your agenda to be bound up inside us. The privilege for your life to be bound up in us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Can you make a commitment to God? Lord, I will not fail your purpose. I will not fail your agenda. Your purpose will not die unaccomplished inside of me. Your agenda that is bound up in me will not fail. Your agenda that is bound up in me will not fail. Your purpose that is bound up in me will not fail. Oh, God's purpose and agenda bound up in Joshua was for him to conquer the land. And the Bible says if Joshua had given them rest, there would have been no need for another day. But there remained a rest for the people of God because Joshua did not give them that rest. The purpose was bound up in Joshua, but Joshua divided unconquered territories to the people. Lord, your purpose that is bound up in me will not fail. Your agenda that is bound up in me will not fail. Your will that is bound up in me will not fail. It will be accomplished. It will be fulfilled. It will be accomplished. It will be fulfilled. Oh, you will help me to carry through your purpose, to carry through your agenda, to carry through your will, the intent and purpose of your heart that you have bound up in my life. Lord, you will help me to accomplish it. You will help me to fulfill it. Thank you, dear Lord. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. We'll pray two more prayers and I'll be done. I'd like you to please pray. Lord, whatever is, has filled my heart, other than your spirit and the agenda of your spirit, Lord, empty me of it. Whatever has filled my heart, my thoughts, my desire, other than the will and agenda of your spirit, Lord, empty me of it.
please pray that prayer. Before you can be filled, you need to be empty. He has filled the hungry, the empty. He has filled them with good. But those who are full already, he sent them away empty. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Empty me so you can fill me. Lord, empty me so you can fill me. Lord, empty me. Lord, empty me. Empty me of everything contrary. Empty me of my own will. Empty me of my own agenda. Empty me of my own design and desire. Father, empty me. I ask you, Lord, tonight to empty me. I present myself before you, Lord, that you will empty me. Now, can you begin to ask God to fill you with the Spirit? Can you ask God to fill you, to fill you afresh? A fresh infilling of His Spirit. A fresh infilling of His power. A fresh infilling of His wisdom. A fresh infilling of His purpose. Of the knowledge of His will. The knowledge of His will. The knowledge of Him. And the knowledge of his will. Ask the Lord to grant you a fresh infilling. Oh, Jesus. you ask the Lord to help you to reprioritize so you can give attention to tarrying before him ask God to help make room for you to tarry to create opportunities to make provisions available for you to tarry that God will make room for you to tarry for him and to tarry before him. Ask God to create a fresh hunger, a fresh thirst in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart for him. A fresh hunger for him. A fresh hunger for him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now can you begin to activate the power of the Spirit in you over the issues of your life. The things that you need the Holy Spirit to move upon. Can you begin to ask the Holy Spirit to move over those issues? Is it the issue of your health? The issue of your, of your career, your finances? Ask the Holy Spirit to move over those issues the Holy Spirit to move upon those issues. 
at the beginning when the earth was formless when the earth was empty when darkness was upon the face of the earth the bible says the spirit of the lord moved the spirit is still moving ask the holy spirit to move over the affairs of your life ask the holy spirit to move over the agenda of your life ask the holy spirit to move concerning your health concerning your job concerning your family your marriage ask the holy spirit to move over your children that issue of concern ask the holy spirit to move over it ask the holy spirit to move over it and give you direction and give you instruction that will bring solution the instruments that God used for man. There are people God needs to use in one way or the other for you and over certain issues in your life. And except the Holy Spirit moves upon them, they may not be able to do what God wants them to do. Sometimes ago, I didn't have a car. I gave the car, the family car out, and uh, I needed to take the kids to school. And on a Sunday like this, somebody blessed me with a kaftan, this Kampala kaftan. I didn't like it. But to honor that person, I decided to wear it the following day. The ones I wear it, these ones, I'll give it out. As I got to the bus stop to stop a vehicle that would take us to school, the clothes tore from the amputee down. We were living in Maraba then. You know the traffic in Maraba. They've not realized our route that time. So the traffic to get to town is a bullying. To go back home to go and change their clothes, these kids will be late to school. They were writing exams. So in my mind, I'll take them to school. The vehicle will take me to church. And then I will give somebody the clothes to either go and sew or something. So I went to school. And then I go to church. Around 8. As I sat down in church and I called our church administrator, I said, what can we do about this clothes? He said, let me go and sew it. Oh, I have 2,000 naira. Can, can I go and buy you a shirt, a t-shirt? I was contemplating on that. My phone rang. And I picked it. It was somebody I've never met in my life. But I've preached in his church. He was not there the day I went to preach. It was his wife that was there. The wife told him about me and they forgot about it. This is after like two months. The man called me. 
He said, Pastor Bill, look at you. Describe where your church is. I described. He said, Are you there now? I said, Yes. He said, Please, I'm on my way. Come in. And then after like 10 minutes, he came. We greeted after all the pleasantries. He said, Sir, I was driving out to go to work. As I got to that customs junction in Zone 3, the Holy Spirit said to me, Go back home. That shirt you brought from UK that you are keeping, take it now and go and give Pastor Biodo. He said the instruction was so clear. And he said, Why? He's not my pastor. I don't even know him. I've never met him. And the Spirit of God repeated the instruction. So he agreed and said, Well, when I'm done from work in the evening, I will take it to him. Durigo said, Do it now. Now he was urgent on him, so he drove back to the house. Picked the shirt and asked the wife, Give me Pastor Biodo's number. Do you want to say, Which Pastor Biodo said? That one you told me about. The Lord just asked me now to take a shirt to him. The wife gave him my number. He called if I was in the office. I said, Yes, give me direction. I give him. So he picked that shirt, picked a pack of singlets that has six and a pack of boxes, and brought it to the church. When he gave me and explained himself that, Sir, this is what you listen to, he said, I started crying. And the man was shocked as he did you embarrass me by bringing I said, no. And I'm crying because God knows my name and knows my need and mentioned it to you. That's why I'm crying. And then I raised my hand. <laughs> and I told him my own story. The man just started crying. That, ah, Lord, thank you that I obeyed you. Thank you that you chose me. You know, it was, it was, that day I learned that at every point of a man's need, there is a need of the move of the Spirit for those that can meet those needs. For those that can intervene in those situations. For those God can use to undo anything that has come your way. I want you to pray. Lord, move on my behalf. You know my present need and desires. Move on my behalf. And bring me answers. Bring me testimony. Bring me solution. Bring me interventions in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you pray that prayer from the depth of your heart? Can you pray that prayer from the depth of your heart?